Attention feminists! Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain, boring old tea's getting you down? Hey, buddy, does your huddy scream fuddy-duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder Most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com. jelly beans onto something and now he's pouring something else onto it oh ice cream oh, I love jellies I wouldn't eat jelly beans and ice cream but oh this looks I disgusting I feel like it'd be a weird texture wouldn't it like that chewy kind of what's he making oh he's like made it into like a a jelly type thing oh actually what he does <laughs> like, like it oh he's like a, like a frozen thing yeah I ate so much food today. I didn't eat any enough of my waffles and now I'm hungry. I'm eat it. You um, do this every time. So I'm going to have to make something when I go home. Uh, anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish, episode hello. 46. Hello, hello. Oh, I better turn my phone on. Mm. Uh, I can't believe we're in episode 46. I know, it's crazy. Are we going to do a season so we can take a break? Nope. All right. Fucking um. driver. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do this until we die. Yeah, well, Graham said to me, I told you, Graham was like, uh, so how long can we do this podcast for? And I was like, uh, sorry. I don't know. As long as we can. As long as we're having fun. That's the thing. I think when it stops becoming fun and we're like, fuck this, um, Mm. which was uh, about three weeks ago, we can. Okay, this (laughs) one. No. Uh, I say to Colin, we should do like a special for episode 50 where we just take the piss. What a bean. Can we do a good story, a fun story? (sighs) we do uh, there's also really bad like IRA stories yeah we could pick like something that's not murdery and we could just do that instead um, but yeah I think we should do because it's going to be the first of June is our one year anniversary wow um, I like uh, the Martin Cahill story where he stole all the fine art let's do that that's a great story we'll do something like that we'll do something that's not about people being <coughs> shivved shivved and, and stabbed shanked. And, and shanked and whatnot. yes um, we'll do that that sounds good. Boo 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 And Austin Paris, she hits the boob guns. Yes. Do you? Yeah, she should. Your boobs are rigging up her. My boobs are disastrous today. It's because I have my period. They'll go down. They get so big. So big when I get my period, but then they just go down. Then they just deflate after a while. I got them boobies. You got them boobies. I got them boobies. You see those beautiful tits. Oh, God. They're only here for just said, a week. You could have said boobs. <laughs> You're only here for a week. Less, like four days. You're max. only here for four three days. days. I got my period. Period. Colin doesn't need to write songs for this podcast. <laughs> That's perfect. Gold. Gold. Absolute gold. Comedy gold. Anyway. 
What happened this week? What That's you do? I went to see my sister. I haven't seen my sister in... Oh God, it's a long time now. Nearly eight, nine months. Yeah. So I went to see my sister and I spent a week with her and it was absolutely lovely. I had a really nice time and she fed me lots of food. I made lots of really nice food. And you saw your nephew. And I saw my nephew and I saw my brother-in-law and it was really nice. Oh, that's good. It was lovely. I had a really, really nice time. And I think you need, I honestly think getting out of the house and away was like the best thing for you. Oh, fuck. And I was losing my mind. Like, I was like, this one has to do something right. I have to. I was losing my rag. Oh God, I still have not thrown out those dandelions. Um, how's your week? I got vaccinated. Hey! Yeah. She got that 5G causing through her veins. I'm now <laughs> in a synergy relationship with Bill Gates. I wish. If you if you got in a relationship with Bill Gates, uh-huh. would you bring me along just so I can uh-huh. live in the... Okay. Listen. Great. Every single... Just so I can live in the mansion. Like, potential moment in my life that I ta- think about in my head that may or may not happen <laughs> is mapped out... With you Me involved. in it. Like, you are never not in it. So if you had like, to, like... recently we were, like, talking about meeting with a broker, and I was like, um, <laughs> where is Emma going to live? Where's Emma going to stay? Where's uh, Emma's part of this? Like... A house and Graham was, And Graham, like, at this, Graham's just so, like, that's the it's, deal. It's normal to him. That he just point. doesn't even question. <laughs> like... But if you moved into Bill Gates' mansion, could in, I live Where does he live? In Seattle or something? I have no idea. Could I live in the mansion, too? Because it'd be big enough. Yeah, but he might like... want weird sex stuff with both of us. Oh, no, no, I'm out now. I'm, I'm out. I'm sorry, I'm out. Might be like, uh, you read a book over there. We'll just give him there. some hot milk before he goes to bed, because he's really old. And she's like, How old is Bill Gates? Now. I actually don't know. Okay, Google. How old is Bill Gates? Bill Gates is 65 years old. That's not oh, that that's old. That's not that old. That's the same age as my mom. Yeah. It's not that old. Yeah. His balls are still... His balls are still dangling. Yeah. And he looks like Tony Hawk. You know, they get that little flabby part at the end of their bum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has that. Uh, he looks like Tony Hawk. But he also has. Okay, Google. What is Bill Gates' net worth? A little shy. Yeah, she's. Uh, it is. I'll tell you now. It's a number that's so big I can't actually figure it out. It's 129.6 billion US dollars. That's his net worth. And he has given away a substantial amount of his wealth. He needs to give away more of it. Yeah. Who the fuck needs that much um, money? What's he going to do with it? Is he going to cling to it in bed now that his wife has left him? Uh, what did he do? I wonder what he did. What did he do? Because I know he did something. Although I imagine he's very boring. Um, I imagine he's a very boring man. I could be wrong. Maybe he's not. After a stock transfer from Bill Gates, Melinda Gates is a billionaire. So he's transferred stock to her because obviously they're getting divorced. Um, And apparently it's an earthquake for philanthropy. Why? Because they're together in that like oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. thing they they're do. They're still going to give money to with Warren Buffett. They're still going to give money, right? I would say so. Give me money. What's her name? Melinda. 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 Please give us money. Um, I'm sick of working. But Bill Gates still works. Yeah, I don't know any man that reads like five books a week. I'm like, oh, fucking calm down now. You're 65. You've seen the bag of books yeah. that he carries around with him? Yeah. Um... Jeff Bezos has $191.5 billion. Elon Musk. Yeah, he surpassed him, I think. No, 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 he's, he's got less money than oh, Jeff. Has he? I thought he surpassed him. He's $166 billion US dollars. It gets so funny when people are like, oh my god, I can't believe that Saturday Night Live and people like Donald Trump and Elon Musk. I'm like, they were owned by GE for yeah. years. What do you, what do you think Saturday Night Live or some like punk movement? No. No, they're not. They are literally like, 
NBC's bitch boy. Mm. Like, don't be shocked whenever Saturday Night Live don't give a fuck. Because no. I get up and they'll be like, liberal, we're so liberal, we're so liberal. And they'll have Donald Trump and Elon Musk on their fucking yeah. show. <laughs> In the middle of a pandemic where this motherfucker was telling people not to wear masks. Yeah. And his little, uh, he's weird fanboys who were like obsessed with him and sit on the internet all day defending his honour. That man doesn't give a fuck about you. He is a billionaire. I also don't understand. With a daughter what? called because that's the only way I can pronounce that fucking um, name. I've been hating man. I've been very man-hating the last uh, 37 years, but especially the last, like, month. I'm really, they're bothering me. Oh, what have uh, they been doing more than uh, usual? I've just been really, like... It's just you're picking up on it? I think I'm reading more uh, feminist stuff and, and feminist literature, and I'm just like... <laughs> like, I just can't deal with it. And the fact that it's just been going on and been, like, on for so long, so I'm just like... And I think last week's story set me on edge. Last week's story, people were loving it. People were all about it. They just, thought you were funny. It's not even that. It's like... Now, you had some class lines. She just... Like, I'm reading Shrill at the moment. I told you that. Yes. Uh, Lindy West's book. Also, season three of Shrill is, Shrill is up and it's really good. Um, and everything she was saying, I was like, oh, that's what I felt like when I was younger. That kind of... She always felt like because she was fat or she was... Oh, she used the word fat because she was fat she was destined predetermined to have this one sort of life and was not allowed to have like another sort of life like she was predetermined to you know <clears throat> not end up with someone that actually loved her and not have a big fancy wedding and you know people made her feel like she didn't deserve any of that stuff and not only because she was fat because she was a fat woman mm. and she was like because she looked up to men like john candy and um what's his name from snl uh uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, Chris Farley and men like that who were seen as deemed as sex. Like Chris Farley's girlfriend was a fucking model. That's shocking. Like you know, and that's fine. It's fine that she was a model, but like she was like, I couldn't have that because I was a fat woman. I was meant to be with a man who treated me badly, and I wasn't meant to have like fancy wedding, and I wasn't meant to have children, and I wasn't meant to have any of these things. And like she told a story about like how she. Uh, she used to be a stand-up comic and she stopped stand-up comedy because she couldn't work with men anymore. She's like, male stand-up comedians were just horrible and the violent misogyny and rape jokes and it was just seen as completely acceptable and completely normal and mm-hmm. they could just say whatever they wanted about women. But she told that story about that Tosh guy, Tosh 2.0, you know that guy? Yeah. He did a stand-up set uh, in a really small room and there was like this girl in the, in the, in the crowd and there was a couple of hundred, like a couple of 20 to 30 men and like her and a few other girls and he did a stand-up about how hilarious rape is. And she got really annoyed and she just shouted up, actually, rape is not funny. And he just went to her, wouldn't it be hilarious if like six of this guys, these guys in this room just jumped on you and raped you right now? And she was like, what the fuck? And she got so upset that she just got her bag and left. And it was recorded and it was put up. And all the male comedians were siding with him, including Patton Oswalt and other men that I was actually super taken aback that were like, because Americans love this fashion. Freedom is Speech. Oh. This bullshit, like, but they were, and then Lindy did a debate with a guy called Jim Norton, who's a comedian, I use that term very lightly, about the whole thing. And she was saying, like, this is not funny. You don't understand this is not funny. And he was like, it is funny, blah, blah, blah. And then after the debate, oh my God, people were like trying to find where she lived, come to her house to rape her. And this went on for months and months and months. And then eventually, uh, Judd Apatow got wind of it and he put a post up on Instagram being, or on Facebook being like this is fucking disgraceful 
he was like, I stand with Lindy, this should not be happening. And then all the little... Uh, Jim, yeah, because he makes their careers. Patton and Oswald and Maul were like writing essays on their pages being like, we were wrong, you were wrong because you got fucking called in it and now you realise that this is... Like, you you have to take a step back because Judd Apatow is standing up yeah. and saying we don't agree with this. Like, these are not... They're not good dudes. Like, they're not. They're like horrific people. They just stand in comedy clubs and talk about raping women. Yeah. But that's why I think I'm annoyed this week. Because I was reading all the things and I was like, I hate man. Yeah... I get it. I get it. I don't like... I think I like one stand-up comic and that's John Mulaney and that's a... I can't listen to other stand-up. When they start fucking the stool, I'm out. Yeah, there's a lot of like fucking the stool. It's... There's that one stand-up comedian on Netflix that always has his top off. What? Who is that man? Who is he? I refuse to watch him. Like... I straight up refuse to watch him. I keep getting ads from him. I'm like, sorry, what? Please, sir, put a shirt on. Like, Like, I don't know what this is. And also, if a woman was doing this and had that gut hanging over her trousers, she'd be fucking eviscerated. But you're doing it and it's funny because you're a man. Yeah. But like, Chelsea Brady does that piece in her stand-up comic or in one of her specials on Netflix. Where she's like, you ever been to a comedy show and the guy starts fucking the stool? And she starts fucking the stool and everyone's just like, because women they've never seen that. a woman a woman do that. Yeah. But that's all they do. They fuck a stool. That's Kevin Hart's entire show. Yeah. Yeah. There is one part where he does various positions. Do you know what? what the always, what, the Kev, Kevin Hart. Um, and this is the same for any uh, stand-up comedian um, that's male. But Kevin Hart's piece around like how a woman should act sexually towards him. Yeah. Bothers and a lot of things about me. So much. Mm. He has just like one thing, and it's the fucking the stool where he's like, you know, when your girl gets nasty, and and then it's just too nasty, and yeah. it's like, shut the fuck yeah. up. But you're allowed to be. As you're gross allowed to as be as gross and as you want. You're allowed to go fuck everything you want behind your wife's yeah. back in the car in the fucking oh, Las fuck Vegas yourself, uh, parking lot. Going back. Um, I was just like, what? Um, and there's so many like fun. like Ashling B. Oh, she's so funny. Is one of the funniest. She's hilarious. People. Yeah, she's got ever. And like even. Uh, her writing is amazing her she's an incredible writer th- th- this way up yeah so, so good, good. Um, but that's the thing it seems to be like so many amazing female writers work on TV shows and they just don't get any sort of recognition no. or credit for it like so yay to female comedy writers you're amazing keep doing what you're doing because there's too what many else has Lindy West done Lindy West yeah <clears throat> she's written a couple of books <clears throat> but she wrote for Jezebel that was her main thing oh okay um, and she wrote that a piece called Hello I'm Fat which was a direct um, retaliation to the guy who ran the magazine that she was working on the time, a guy called Dan Savage, who is a despicable human being. I don't know. Um, and she, because he was like saying that, basically he hates fat people. And he was saying that, um, there was one piece that he wrote that he said, if they if they make gay marriage, they should make gay marriage legal and make, make fat marriage illegal. He's a horrible person. She was working for him at the time. And he was ripping apart bigger bodies. So she wrote a part, a piece called Hello, I'm Fat, which was basically her being like, you are, you know you're saying this and I'm your friend and I'm in the room with you when you're saying these things, but you just think it's perfectly acceptable to just talk about this. But I'm sitting here and I'm your employee and your friend. And she wrote that. So that, that But there is sense. that weird thing, right? I'm going to say something now and it's probably like hurt, like some people in my family's feelings. Um, but there are a number of fam- family members within my like immediate family that talk about like body issues and like weight and like fatness in this negative way and they do it when I'm around or when any other family but it when you call them on it they say things like but you're not fat or they say but not you yeah and you're like sorry what 
Like I'm right here. What are you? Yeah, like I am. I am fat. Like what are you talking about? Like I think it's that happens a lot. Yeah, that happens a lot. I get like, people all like I, you've you've been privy to so many of those moments. Do you remember that moment when I worked for like that company and I was at like a work night out and I came back to the table and one of the guys as a compliment compliment. Like, in air quotes, as a compliment, was like, oh, we were just talking about, like, even though you're a big girl, we'd still, like, we still find you really attractive and we'd still have sex with you. And I was like, sorry? That's not a compliment. Like, what? And that's the arrogance to think that that is a compliment. Like, I was like... like you know, we might stick it in you. Yeah, like we still oh, want to like, you. You should be grateful that we might like, stick it in you. Like, I, I just... Like, and I remember him being like, and he was a kid, right? He was so young. And I remember being like, that's not a compliment. That's not a compliment. Do you understand that that's not a compliment? And he was like, why? And I was like, what do you mean it's why? It's not a compliment. You're saying that like, I'm somehow better than like I'm somehow worthy of other yeah. like of your of penis men wanting to have sex with because me because I'm oh even though I'm fat like oh my god what that I just I was like you would stick your dick in a tree they would stick their dick in a ham sandwich yeah like, like I am sure they have like, at some point like <laughs> that's the thing and it's not it's awful like I just I think the best thing to do about uh, people's weight is shut the fuck up Mm-hmm. And mind your own business. Mm-hmm. 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 And like, because there was a part in Lindy's West book where she said some guy walked into the store that she was working in and handed her a pamphlet for um, it's like class. And she was like, oh, no, thank you. And then she looked to the class and it was like, how to lose weight effectively. And she was like, I don't want this. And he was like, yes, you do. You need it. And I like, laughed in her face and left. What is she going was on? In work. I was like, what? Like, what the? F- what? Or I just, I don't, I think it's just. I don't get it. I don't understand. I just, because I think maybe when you grow up fat, you learn how to not make people aware of their bodies. You just shut up and you say nothing. Because if you grow up fat, it's that kind of thing where it's always the, oh God, that's a terrible analogy, but it's always the elephant in the room. Like, it is. And I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it just disrespectfully. But it is always that thing where, you know, girls are always talking about their body. Or these people who do this thing like, really really skinny people really skinny people who are around overweight people and they're like I'm so fat shut the fuck up yeah I think it's like that thing of like even no matter what they're cause like uh, there's a there's a gentleman I know and he used to be 45 stone Mm. right holy shit that's and he would openly tell you that he used to be 45 stone he is now like comfortably like I would say 12 10 stone like he's looks phenomenal but we, he he talks to me sometimes about like body and and like he was chatting away to me and he said that he wants to have like he he said I've got excess skin and I want to have it removed and he was like and I work really hard for the body I have now and I want to see my abs and I was like all right that's cool that's cool and he was like you never he he like we were just it was like in the office and he was like you never he was like you give people compliments he was like you never compliment their appearance because that's what like, you should do he'd be like you'd be like um. He's like, it's never about their size no. or their shape. It's always like, oh my god, you get your hair done, yeah. or is that new makeup, or like, because, but that's if, because you're aware. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're um, aware, and even and I, ne- he was like, you never comment on anyone's food. I never, I don't ever. It is the most. Do not no. like. I can't begin to explain how you should never comment mm-hmm. on what somebody is eating. Like it is, 
it makes you feel like the small, it like turns you off your food immediately. Just like this thing where people think it's perfectly acceptable to, co- acceptable to comment on what the fuck you're putting into yeah. your body. It's none of your business. No, it has nothing to do with you. Like, I just don't it's understand. the same, I, when um, I got my COVID vaccine, I was uh, around a group of people and one of them was like, one, someone said to me, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I actually feel fine. Yeah, Grant. And the other guy was like, uh, um, they were like, oh, so you've no side effects. And I was like, my arm's really sore. And he was like, why is your arm sore? And I was like, oh, I got my vaccine today. And he was like, you got your what? You, do you know what's in that? And I just went to him, I don't Bye, want <laughs> to hear it. No. I don't know you well enough. Nor, if I did, would I give a fuck yeah. about your opinion? Yeah. And then he just kind of looked at me and I was like, do you care about the coke you're shoving up your nose? Do you know what's in that yeah. when you do it? And he just went silent and everybody went quiet and he was like, said the most ridiculous thing about antibodies. And I just went to him, we're not going to talk about this because all that's going to happen is I'm going to annihilate you yeah. and all you're going to demonstrate in the room is how much of a fucking idiot yeah. you are and it's going to be really awkward for you. So let's just move past it. Get past it. But then I got like four whis- whiskeys into me and I kept, because he kept, he was talking about antibodies being turned off by the vaccine and I kept saying to him, oh, oh, I can feel an antibody being turned off. <laughs> it's a- it's off. Oh yeah, it's off. I think one of them just came uh, on my toe. It's gone. Um, it's and gone. one of the guys I was with was like, "You're a cunt." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just even stuff like that. It's like if you want to vaccinate your kids, don't vaccinate your shitty kids. Just keep them away from me. Yeah, that's it. But it's just I think I think people, and I think it is that thing of like when you grow up and you're bigger and you oh, understand that feeling of being made feel like you're taking up space that's not there for mm-hmm. you. Um, being aware of how shitty it is that even if someone's really like thin that could be for some other reason yeah. oh and that guy that the guy that lost all the weight i was saying to him about like getting my blood results and he was like but he was like sarah i would say you're healthier than me he was like i am not flexible at all mm-hmm. he was like i'm not fit i've yeah. just lost weight. lost weight um and i was like well and he was like no he was like your cholesterol and your blood pressure and yeah. all of that is in a really it's good place it's bad when you when like people get their blood pressure done that are bigger or whatever and people are like you're like my blood pressure is fine and people are like really Mm. yeah mm. it's almost as if uh, your hatred of a fat body yeah. does not mean that somebody is unhealthy uh-huh. but you've convinced yourself of that you have absolutely con- if anyone is over a size 14 you were convinced they have diabetes my That's mother was convinced argument. so th- when my blood results came back I went when I got my COVID ja- vaccine I got my blood results as well and I went up to my mum's house to have breakfast before I went to work and she was like well what's your blood say and I was like I'm I'm not diabetic and I don't have a thyroid problem. And she was like, really? And I was like... Like that? Like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, Sarah, I'm sorry. And I just went to her, this is the one time being fat has been a positive. I got my vaccine. Like, I was like, what? Like, uh, she was like, oh, okay. Well, like, what is it then? And I was like, what's what? And she was like, like... And I was like, my weight is my weight because I eat whatever the fuck I want. Also... Like... Oh, like what do people like? What do you do? They people expect you to come back and be like, "I have all the ailments." Yeah, no, Every my ailment my, known to man. I currently have it. Like what? my mother, genuinely, because I, because in my mother's eyes, I'm not an overeater, and because she can't, she doesn't understand. And I know I amn't right, so I know that there's like something else going on, and I know we're waiting. Like we're yeah. gonna do more tests, but like I'm not an. Over- she was like, but how? Like because like actually, to my mom, the most difficult thing for her is being fat it's not being unhealthy 
Oh, see, that's what that's the thing. And so, like the fact that I am healthy, yeah. The fact that I don't have diabetes, the fact that you can say the fact that I don't I'm have healthy. a thyroid problem, yeah. the fact that my blood pressure is in a good place, my um, what's the other one that they eat the like fucking horrible butter for? Blood, no, uh, cholesterol. My cholesterol is really good. Like the fact that all of them are like positives, it was like, but you're still fat. Yeah, because people don't. Most people don't want to be healthy. They want to be skinny. It's like it's always funny when people are like, you know, they see those ads. Be healthy. Mm. No, 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 no. You want to be skinny. Mm-hmm. That's all you want to be. Because I know plenty of thin people who are insanely unhealthy, insanely like, unhealthy. Like heavy smokers, heavy drinkers. Yeah. Like keep having to go to the doctor because random shit keeps happening to them because they're not looking after their their health. But it's all about the physical appearance. It's all about what people can see. So their immediate reaction to a certain type of body is your all oh, the the diabetes argument. You're gonna get diabetes. Fuck off. Mm. No, I'm not. No. Fuck off. No. Like ah. Anyway, just mind your business. Don't talk about this. Right. Match business. Match fucking business. But anyway, yeah. That's anyway, that's a rant. That's our weekly rant over. That's our weekly rant over, man. I just hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes for the week. Don't talk about people's. Uh, Lindy West is so beautiful. She's and I just Did you look, see her wedding dress? I just looked at her wedding photos. Oh, I'm obsessed. Of course, the Daily Mail put a lovely article up about her making shit of her wedding day. What? Because she said she wants she didn't give she wanted to be fat as fuck on her wedding day. And of course, the Daily Mail and all the lovely Daily Mail uh, readers, ingrates as I like to call them, uh, were like, "She's gonna die. Is she dead? How is she, she alive? Is stunning." I look at her husband. Her, husband her dress her. is absolutely beautiful. Is that like funny? I, I had seen. This. I'm obsessed with her dress. Yeah, like, no, if I had seen this before yeah. I got married, that would have been the one I brought Isn't to the to the shop. Isn't her hair beautiful? I'd love to actually get married again just so I could get a new wedding dress. Just, but, uh, her, he's a jazz musician her her, her, her husband's husband. stunning yeah and she said in her book as well I thought it was not funny but actually quite she didn't care but I thought it was sad she said that whenever she's out with him oh people do this with me and Graham all the time people walk up to her and they're like um, she said she was in a bar one, day, one night and she was holding hands with him on the bar and this girl walked up to him and was like oh I'm a really big fan of yours I really like your work to Lindy and he was like thank you so much and she was like it must be lonely working from home and she was like oh no he's with me and she was like oh is this your, is this your housemate She's like, I'm sitting at the bar holding hands, hands with, with him. him. Yeah. And she was like, it happens constantly. People yeah. just presume they're not together. Me and Grim, I get because, that all the time Because Grim. she's a fat lady. She should yeah. be with a fat man. And that's it. No, like, I don't... Like, you've been there for a number of those yeah, patients yeah, yeah. again. Yeah. Where it's been like... I remember we had a work colleague yes. that openly asked me mm-hmm. how, how I got my said, skinny how, husband. How did you get your husband was the yeah. question that she asked you. How did you get your husband? And I was like, huh? So fucked up. And it was like, because, and again, again, she was a big yeah, girl. But that's, but that's absolute internalization. No, no, she was internalizing yeah. her own, yeah, like, her issues own with her own body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? And she was like, like, he's so good looking. But like, I was like, sorry. Once I, again, what? how like, does someone think that's a compliment? And I just went to her, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't aware. Is he? Mm. Um, I like yeah, his giant it's, penis. It's, gra- it's great though that the people think that they can go up and say that to you like yeah, it's a compliment. Because I'm fat. So therefore, like, because I'm fat... You should be lying in your bed like this. I should nah, be really... Nah, nah. I should feel really worthy that Graham is, like, Absolutely. an attractive man. That's literally... Yeah. You should feel worthy that some dude wants to put his penis yeah. in you. Now, I will say this. I've only had one ugly boyfriend in my life. <laughs> I have all been stunners. But, like, even that, regardless, like, regardless of attractive attractiveness level, regardless of weight... But that's all bullshit! Whatever, like, it's all bullshit. And we have created... Society has created this thing where it's, like... Uh, you know leagues which bothered the fuck out of me that he's out she's out he let me tell you this no man is out of 
anybody sleep no. because they all sit around scratching their balls 24 hours a day they can stand out and look hot in a t-shirt and a pair of jeans when they go home they're going to fart in their hand and smell it no man is out of your league I just wish women would understand this from a very early age regardless of whether they're fucking Brad Pitt or fucking Ricky Gervais no man is out yeah. of your league stop making them feel like they're important yeah. they're not that important yeah. like as Sarah said earlier like they'd fuck the wind. No, honestly. They're like, base creatures. They're base. Base creatures. They are base. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, and they're, they, they're afraid to admit attraction to certain types of bodies because they're told that they're not allowed to be attracted to that. Like even in Lindy West's book, she said that the amount of men that would like have sex with her and then refuse to be seen with her in public because their friends were making fun of him. Like, she was like, that happened constantly. Her, in most of her relationships were men introducing her as their friend. Because his mates would make fun of him if he saw him fucking fat girl. But yet they're going home and wanking to anime. Yeah. No man is out of your league. No. No man is out of your league. But you know the thing no is those, that league situation that's perpetuated by men. Oh, 100%. Not perpetuated by women. 100%. And it's because of this thing of like... Because well, like my, my husband, Graham, is... And there's so many things that Graham is... Like, I love him for. Yeah. But one of the things that like I love him most for is that like... He's so comfortable with what he's into. Yeah, he doesn't care. There's not a thing where Graham yeah. walks into a room with, with like dudes and it's like, oh, I have to. Hey, like, man. Yeah. I have to like the, look at that chick. Like, no, no, like, absolutely don't. not. And he, no. and I think sometimes he gets like a bit defensive, but he does it in like, he would never admit it. But I know that like even the women that he finds attractive or the women that he's attracted to or the types of women that he likes yeah. are similar to me. Yeah. They I have think, like. That's fine round heads they've got great big apple cheeks he's really into that like he he has a type yeah. that he's into but there's never been like I've never been with Graham where he is like pretended to be something that he wasn't yeah. to fit in yeah um, with like men and other than sometimes he pretends he's into football I know but no like he doesn't he actually isn't football but that's totally but that's a totally like, different thing like. it's that thing of like just the whole and like to accept that. I would never accept that. No. no matter, and I was like, I have never been thin. No. There has never been a moment in my life where I have been a small girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The smallest I've ever been was a size 12 and I actually was a size 14. I wasn't a size 12. I just managed to get into a size 12 monsoon dress. Um, and that was like the thinnest I ever was. And even then, people called me fat. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I've never been thin. I've never had the, like... Skinny thing. No! Yeah. Like, it's so bizarre. And people are so fucking mouthy about it. Like, so mouthy about it. And then immediately when they get cut out, are like, oh, I didn't mean it. And it's like, but you you did. did. You did. Like... You're putting someone's entire worth as a person on a number that's on a... Yeah, on, like, the fact that they're a round person. Yeah, or, like, that they have an ass. Well, now asses are in now. Yeah. Or that they have a belly. Bellies are. But even that thing is like it, that's fetishizing black women. Hundred percent. That's all that's like happening. All of those Kardashian bodies Kardashians are all just fetishizing, taking the bits off black bodies. Literally, that's all they're doing. They are they are making money off black people while never wanting to be black themselves. I can fucking yeah. assure you, never wanting to be black themselves. Never want to be black, like ever in their lives because they'll they'll take all the parts that they want but they don't have to worry about the racism no they don't have to worry about their children being murdered in the streets they don't have to worry about systemic well, racism actually most of them have black children because they went out and did that on purpose yeah um 
But even that thing, and maybe that might enlighten them a little bit, but like those women have stolen black culture. Yeah. yeah. And made it now that that's sexy, but it's only sexy on white women. It's not yeah, and not only that, it was seen as so unsexy for so long. No. Like body types, like as I was I was only saying to you, uh, you know, the whole like early two thousands when we would have been growing up. Oh tin. You had to be Ali McBeal. Yeah. If you were over a size six, she was so sick. So, if you were over a size six, eight, you were a morbidly obese. Like, uh, what's that really bad movie? Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones. Size she twelve. Nine Kate Winslet. People said she was fat. Size twelve. I remember when I was a kid. I wasn't into the Spice Girls because I was a racist. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I was not in Spice Girls, but I remember being a kid and watching Graham Norton call Jerry Halliwell a pig on national television. I that is in. My brain, he did a stand a bit, a stand-up comedy bit where he made fun of Jerry Halliwell's weight for five minutes. She was a size 10. A size 10. She's so thin now. She's so thin. And she was thin back then. And I just remember, and you people don't think that shit resonates with you. Because mm-hmm. I, I was a bigger girl, like I was a bigger teenager. And I just remember thinking, if she's fat, what the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. And that's what you do. And these people, people say these things and then they're like, free speech, we can say whatever we want. The damage you are doing. Yeah. The damage you are the doing free to spe- girls. The free speech people are always the people that aren't being damaged. No. And are always the people, people that are like, don't understand you can say whatever you want, but that does not mean you don't face consequences for And you're what not you responsible say. for it. That is a vastly different thing. You mm. can say whatever the fuck you want. You can, you can go on national television and you can say whatever you want. What will happen is you will deal with the consequences yeah. of it. That's a totally different thing. Like, but yeah, just when I think about it now... Like, Jerry Halliwell was fat. Kate Winslet was fat. Kate Winslet in the Titanic. Fat. Was like, chubby cherub. Like, she was always, like, bubbly, cherub, chubby. Like, you know, it was like... She was tiny. 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 She had tits and ass. Like, she didn't... Like... She didn't look like a fucking prepubescent 12-year-old. Like, even so, Adele. Adele, they were like, Adele's fat. I was like, Adele's a size 14. Like, Adele was literally Now size she's 12. like a size 8 and yeah. 6. Um, like, I was like, Adele was not fat. Like... It's just when you look back at the people but that were considered ownership that they have of women's bodies. Like, do you see that Gosh. Billie Eilish thing this week? No, what's that? Billie Eilish uh, appeared on the front of like Italian Vogue, I think, or British Vogue. Yeah, and you know the way Billie Eilish, um, her like signature look, I suppose, would be like those the really baggy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in like a Vivian Westwood corset. Oh, she's in like uh like nude latex uh gloves. Okay, she looks stunning. Yeah. Her hair is blonde. She has, like, you can see her body in it. Yeah. Well. People go mad? Did they go mad? The press went fuck, like, as if she was, like, somehow reclaim Like, this, and she's a teenager. Like, every news outlet you can think of just came out and commented on, like, her appearance, her body. The fact that now she's, like, clearly progressing into being a woman. Uh, she's 19. Like, Isn't she 19? She's a teenager. Just shut up. Like, Every comment. I, I need men like, to. I need men to shut up. Yeah, I, like, I just need men to shut up. I just need them all to shut up. I can't listen to them anymore. Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. I don't care what you think about women's bodies. Like, and they were I like, don't care. Calling her out for being like racy and being damaging to children. I was like, Britney Spears when she was sixteen was on the cover of Rolling Stone in her knickers. And not only that, there were journalists asking her, was she a fucking yeah. virgin? And her journalists asked her if she was a virgin. Journalists asking her about her breast size. Um, and that was okay back then. But now because all of a sudden you're woke. Oh, they're the fake woke. Yeah. I like to call them yeah. it's like it's it, this it, Billy Eilish oh has gone God. too far she's damaging children oh my god just shut up shut up, just shut up shut up I just need men to shut up I just need men and five women. minutes there's some women I know but mainly men five minutes <laughs> shut your mouth Colin included Colin 
Call your mum. Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> Stop talking to Emma about lying on the bed. Oh. Anyway, I'm going to tell my story. Yay! Oh, do we need to say? Uh, do we need to say uh, the thing? The housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. I'd like to thank all the people about the sexy horse pictures that I've been getting on the and sexy horse pictures. I haven't seen any sexy horse oh, pictures. Oh my god! It's on Facebook. I have been double clicking them. <laughs> those all need to know sexy horse pictures. Is on, on Facebook. Facebook so many sexy horse pictures. Oh, I see sexy horses. And um, they loads of people sent us in pictures of their actual sexy horses. They have there's horsey people. We have horse to? people. Oh We've said God. some horrible things about horse we people. We have said awful things about horse people. We apologize. I'm very sorry, horse um, people. So, oh, we're sorry to Scottish people. No, Scotland. I'm sorry. I didn't realise that we was love, in Scotland. We love Scotland. A lot of the names are very confusing. And when I was reading it, they didn't say Scotland. Yeah. So I assumed it was all in we England. Got, we got very confused. I'm so sorry. We're sorry, Scotland. It's in the United Kingdom. Up the Scots. Is that what you say when it's the other part of the uh, colony? Uh, See, no. I'm, I'm okay. Like, Scotland. <laughs> like if it's Wales, is that the UK? Yeah, United Kingdom encompasses all. So, that, so like Northern Jersey? Ar- Northern Ireland, Scot- no, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland are like England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland are the United Kingdom. So what's Jersey the- then? Is that the British colonies? They're just having a great time. Is that the Commonwealth? I think that might be the Commonwealth. We should stop now because while we're ahead. <laughs> I mean, did you see what happened? Where the French went in and tried to cut off all the fucking gas line to Jersey Island. Why? Because there's some fucking war over like who owns what. Oh, Jesus. Like Gibraltar all over again. France. But you know what? England just needs to give it back. Just give it back, France. Get yeah. England. We need to solve this right now. Yeah. Right? We need to get England on the phone or France on the phone. I'm yeah. just say, listen, just give it back. Say, a Jacques Rebleau. Can we have some croissants? Oh. Sponsors. Yeah. Give back. Can we have a croissant? I'm going to get. The, it's Joe's chicken was delicious. It's not Joe's chicken. Me holy be farting all day. Yeah, it's your period. My period. I got the period. Anyway, but... we apologise, Scotland. Sorry, Scotland. We love I'm you. Sorry. I love Scotland. Scotland's great. My boyfriend just got a job in Edinburgh. It's another bumper week over at www.patreon.com forward slash Murder Most Irish. We're on MMI Drive. Emma and Sarah Jane take to the road again for a grand tour of Ballyfermot. Crackhead Pete is out and about, and there are enough whirly burgers to feed everybody. And behind the music this week, myself and Sarah Jane chat about Bono and tampons as Emma desperately fights sleep on my comfy bed. All this plus the usual bounty of bite-sized clips and songs, all for the amazing price of only six euros. So join us at www.patreon.com forward slash murder most Irish, where all the sexy horses hang. This week's story, I'm going to talk about Jean McConville. Oh, okay. So I got my info from a book called Say Nothing by Patrick Radden Keefe. McGill. He absolutely lives in um, where we were today. No, he's a New York Times writer. He still lives there. Yeah, no, he probably does still he live out in Greystones. Um, McGill.ie. Hey! Guess who wrote all the articles hey, I hey, read? Hey. Oh, was it, was it fucking Grania? No. Who? Vincent Brown. Oh, that's all right. Okay. Vincent Brown. Uh, the Irish Times, The Independent, PBS, and The New York Times. Dolores Price is one of the few notable and high ranking women within the IRA. Do you know about Dolores Price? Nope. Anyway, she's actually the only woman to ever like be notably in the front lines of the IRA. Oh, okay. Uh, when she was a teenager, she's radical- radicalised and leads a mission to England to blow up the old Bailey. And she does it. Holy shit! Um, and Dolores. she's radicalised and her sister is radicalised and they're in like their really early teens oh. um, when they become radicalised and then just like as they're just about to come out of their teens is when they go and like blow up the old Bailey. Um, <laughs> her dad is in the IRA and her grandfather was in the IRA and all of her family are like uh, full Republican supporters. 
she arrested she's arrested and she goes toe to toe with like margaret thatcher uh she's like really good friends with jerry adams so her and jerry adams like come up through the ranks together Besties. uh but they jerry adams and her have a falling out when he leads the peace talks in 1998 and she doesn't believe in it oh okay. so he goes into the like actually we can't win this war we're gonna try and just and we need to like actually go into politics and lead the yeah. peace process and she's like no we want like our 32 we want to be full 32 counties and they have like a falling out which is important to know okay um Dolores takes part in a secret oral history project organized this is really interesting it's it's uh, a secret oral history project organized by the Boston Uni- Boston University and a member of like the Irish Republican Army as well. Uh, and the tapes are to be released after the death of each individual, so as any incrimination will be removed. In twenty thirteen, Dolores dies, and her tape is released. And in it, she comes out and she says she's involved in one of the worst and most notorious cases of the troubles. Um, and she names a number of high-ranking Sinn Féin members uh, as the person that gave the order to kill Jean and that she feels remorse for the oh, wow. choice. However, I'll get into it more at the end, but when this comes out after she dies, all hell breaks loose because there's actually a treaty between Ireland and America that's essentially to do with like the Troubles and it's... Uh, essentially you can be subpoenaed and it doesn't matter if this was in place you have to give all of the tapes oh. so this comes out in 2013 she dies and she and Jean McCumble who like is one of the most notorious cases of the troubles yeah. and uh, a member of the disappeared um, her name comes out and people are like fuck and then people are like she's naming like she names like Jerry Adams she's like Jerry Adams gave the order to have her killed and she's like I didn't kill her but I was involved. Jesus. So, that guy, Patrick Redden Keith, he then delves into these tapes and he writes this like book called Say Nothing and it's so good. Okay. It's brilliant. I read it in like two days. Oh, wow. Um, but it's written in a way that you're like, when you're reading it, you're like, this is real life. Yeah. But you're like, this doesn't feel like real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's so good. So, Let's get into Jean McConville. Jean Marie was born on the 7th of May in 1934. She's born a Protestant uh, to a family in East Belfast, but she converted after marrying Arthur McConville, a Catholic former British Army soldier with whom she had 10 children. What? She gave birth to 14, but only 10 survived. Fuck me. After being intimidated out of a Protestant district by loyalists in 1969, the McConville family moved to the West Belfast Divis Flats. Divis Flats is a stronghold for the IRA in the Lower Falls Road. In 1972, Arthur died from cancer in January. That's her husband. Right. And in December 1972, Jean is at home with her children and a group of people, eight men and four women, barge into the house. They have guns and are wearing balaclavas. They grab Jean and her children cling to her. Oh, fuck. She begins to kick and scream and her six-year-old twins hang onto her legs as they pull her out of the house. Uh, Jesus Christ. As they're pulling her out of the house, they say, we just want to talk to her. The children never see their mother again. They tell one of the children he could go with her and he realizes that they're now he realizes that they just did it to get him to get her down the stairs because she lives in the flats. 
So she doesn't live in like a house where they just pull her out of the door she's and in the van she's upstairs. So they pull her down the stairs and when I got to the bottom of the stairs a gun was put to my head. He's six by the way. A gun was put to my head and I was told to fuck off. She is thrown into the back of the van and all the people that had come into the house to take their mum had covered their faces except for one woman. Okay. So every, like out of the eight men and four women. One woman was. One woman has no balaclava on. They said, we'll bring her back. We just want to talk to her. But she's never seen again. There are whispers that she's involved with the British and the neighbours had accused her of being in with the British. These rumours started when Jean had helped a severely injured British soldier during a bloody battle near her home. After she is taken, so after she's like kidnapped essentially, rumours now lean into she was a British informant and then a radio was found in her fo- in her home, like a re- walkie-talkie. Yeah. While some people will say that the murder of a widowed 38-year-old mother of 10 was sufficiently heinous, regardless of any unproven allegations against her, it's hugely important during the case, it's hugely important uh, for the McConville that they demonstrate that she was not. So for the McConvilles, they like have vehemently said that she was, she was absolutely not. not an informant. Okay. The uh, During the case, so like when these tapes come out, mm-hmm. there's a case, uh, According to the IRA, she hung out her watch. So there's all these tapes that come out and there's all these documents that come out of like people watching people. So the IRA watching people within their territory. All right. Uh, she hung out her washing at a certain time of day and used her blinds to make certain signals to, oh, haste, to Hastings Street, British Army, which is close to the Divis Flats where the family lived. Yet Michael McConville, who's her son, shows on a map from from the time there was no such line of vision um, from the McConville flat or the army base. The late IRA member Brendan the Dark News also claimed that McConville had an army radio transmitter in her flat and it was claimed that when first caught with this transmitter she was warned by the IRA but then she quickly resumed working for the army even taking a second transmitter into her flat. Bullshit because you were found back then you'd be shot in shot the fucking in the head. spot. Her 10 children deny this and also a side note what the fuck would a woman with no links to the IRA 10 children have that the British army could use or need? Where did this come from? So it's just people talking about her. I'll get into it now. She also had lost her husband the same year and was in a mental institution for part of the year due to the, due to having a mental breakdown from the fact that she she'd lost her husband children. had 10 children but also uh that I'll get into like the also now. So the orphaned McConville children never know. They they don't know what happened to her. They were mystified as to why she had been targeted. And in the aftermath, there were whispers too that she had. So then these other rumors came about. Okay. Uh, that were said to these kids that she had abandoned her family to pursue a love affair with a British soldier, and that she had gone to live with a loyalist para, para, paramilitary, and that she'd had more children with him. Jean had a hysterectomy after her twins who were six years old and they were the last children she had. Jesus Christ, Sarah. In the lead up to Christmas in 1972, her children stayed the car together in the family home. So she goes missing in early December. Right. Or like the middle of December. And they stay in the family home as they are led to believe that the, that her their mother will return. They're going to bring her back. Uh, the IRA released a statement saying Jean is lying low and that and that story kind of grads so because they've released a statement saying yeah. that like she's laying low she's know, yeah. the story kind of goes away so the media kind of believes the IRA jeez 
Her kids, there's 10 of them. They're all like at home. All 10 children are put into separate orphanages of the state uh, and are re-victimized in new ways. The social workers involved with the 10 children tell them that their mother had abandoned them as the IRA perpetuated the lie that their mother was still alive and living with like an English paramilitary uh, or for some unknown bullshit reason. Nearly all of the children are taken into care, although it takes months before social services social services get them into homes. During that period, a number of them end up being in various forms of troubles with the police. Even those that were taken into care, every one of them at one stage or another, um, and sometimes several times, run away from the homes. Oh. Later, some of them complained of the abuse and historical institution institutional abuse inquiry. So they there's like an institutional abuse inquiry, yeah. and a number of the McConville children end up in that inquiry because they um, had been abused. Uh, yeah. And later, when they get out of care and try to find work for themselves, they're confronted by another form of torment. Um. So this is Archie, who's one of her sons. He said we would not have gotten a job on the Falls Road, so it didn't matter. They just weren't going to get a job on the false road. Um, or any building site. Uh, her other... They say we might have got started, but as soon as they found out who we were, we yeah. were sacked. Her other son has changed his name and he goes by Tucker now. He said you get a week or two and then you'd lose your job because people would find out who you were. This is fucking crazy. And then Michael McConville, who was 11 when his mother was taken, said that just it just happened to all of them. Like, they were just ostracized from the community. They couldn't get work, like... Um, oh and, and all the time, the children were trying to find out what happened to Jim McConville. So her children, like, never gave up. They were like, we don't believe Oh, that they were was- like... And even when she was taken, you can watch, like, video footage of them being interviewed. Like, they they sit in their flat and they're like... Our mother was taken. Like, she wasn't a British informant. Like, none of this is true. Like, they don't... They don't stop. Yeah. Um, That's incredible. Michael asks a local man about her when he when he's older. And he... The guy goes off to check. But when he came back, he was told that he had to shut his mouth and say no more about it. Jesus. So, her children believe it was helping of the British soldier that led to her being killed. So remember at the very beginning? So she had the British shoulder and everybody was like, oh, yeah. she's writing him and then she's giving information to her. Her daughter explained, so her oldest daughter, who's the absolute image of her. Oh, yeah? Some people don't understand the real reason that it was because she helped the British soldier. That's why she was murdered and taken away from us. The children have a collective memory of the soldier being assisted by their mother, although they're not certain about when it happened, but yeah. they all remember it happening. Yeah. They say there was a gun battle in Divis, which wouldn't be uncommon. No. Um, and their mother was in the kitchen and we were playing in the room. There was a step down into the flat and we were always told to hit the deck when the shooting started. Um, they, she, essentially, the the soldier got shot right outside the family home. Okay. And she opened the door and pulled him in because he was groaning at the door and her children were in the, in the kitchen and she couldn't get out. So she pulled him in, but... Like at that point, she doesn't know he's British. She just pulled in whoever she, she pulled in, was in, in to help him, and she helps him. And then the following day, Brit lovers out is written on the walls of their house when they wake up, because she helped the soldier. This is fucking insane. Jean's children are fearless from the moment she disappeared. They spoke out. They gave TV interviews at the time. They constantly said that she was not hiding and had 
being murdered. So they constantly were like, she's being murdered. Yeah. She's not hiding. There were the talk on the estate that she, there was talk on the estate that she'd been beaten in a house and then taken out of the north. So she was driven out of the north of Ireland and shot. And in 1973, her then 11-year-old, 11-year-old son, Michael, is abducted. Oh, God. He gave an interview in 2003, and this is what he said happened. He said, they pulled the hood over my head. It was a sleeve of a jumper, a woolly jumper, because I could see through it. They took me down into the Divis Flats into a house. They tied me to a chair, and they were hitting me with sticks. They were putting a gun to my head, and they say they were going to shoot me. I looked out of the side of my eye and there was a man and he was telling the younger ones what to do. So they had me, I would say, for about three hours. They said they were going to shoot me if I told if I told anything about the member of the IRA. So like the, he knew there was a member of the IRA in the like room with yeah. them. That they would shoot me or another member of my family. They fired a gun, a cap gun, and one of them stuck a penknife in my leg. Oh! They then took me over to the Divis Flats and let me go on the stairs. And I hobble- hobbled up the stairs into my grandparents' house. I had just turned 11. He was 11! He was 11. And it was like the youth, so it was a member of the like FINA, which is like the youth IRA. I thought that he was like 20. No, he's, he just... He told the story in 2003, but it happened in 1973. These evil cunts. There's no official record of this incident, no mention of it in any British security file. Although in an interview with the BrokenElbow.com, Michael McConville said that he did tell the former NI police ombudsman, Nula Olone. And Nula Olone heads the investigation into the disappeared in 2005 and 2006. However, a separate report of another abduction incident, which allegedly involves Michael, has been unearthed recently in British government's official archive at Surrey. It contained a document called a sit rep or so essentially during the troubles and probably still happens, the uh, local military and the police would keep records of situational uh, so they keep logs on a daily basis yeah. and they would each have an area and they would do like a situation report yeah. on what they had heard had happened. Oh, okay. Or what they'd so seen not happened. like, had, not, not that it had been reported. No, they weren't involved. They heard about it. Okay. But just because like, obviously they're all watching each other. Excuse me. Uh, this was taken on February 12th, 1973, which is some two to three months after Jean McConville's abduction and disappearance at the hands of the IRA. Daily sit reps are summaries of violent paramilitary linked incidents were widely distributed within official British circles in those days. When levels of violence were both intense and serious, the uh, Broken Elbow understands that the copies were routinely sent to British Army headquarters at Lisburn and County Antrim, to the three brigades, HQs, to the head of the RUC special branch, and to the NIO, and probably also to MI5 and MI6, just so everybody was aware of like what What's activity was happening. Yep. A copy was also sent to 10 Downing Street to the office of the British Prime Minister of the day in February 1973. The Prime Minister was Ted Helt, and this particular sit rep was discovered, so it was sent to them because it mentioned the McConville. Yes. Um, now, it's not accurate, so that Michael McConville is like, no, this is not how it went down, but he was like, 
they're not a million miles off. Okay. So it says at 2145 hours in Castle Street View, which is like in the city centre, two Catholic children were taken into a car by three masked men in combat kit. One of the children has since returned home, uh, but Michael McConville is still missing. But he was like, that's, he was like, that may have happened, but that wasn't like what exactly happened to what me. happened. Yeah. There's also a report after Jean's disappearance, which got sent to Dublin to um, 10 Downing Street, which essentially was like a sit rep, which was like, she's fine and she's confirmed is still alive as per the IRA. As per the IRA. Yeah. The truth tellers. You know, those guys. Shooting horses. Like, the the machine whole thing guns. is just... So... These poor children. Jesus fucking Christ. In the years after, the IRA denied any involvement in her disappearance. So they then, like, go into, like, we'd nothing to do with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until an independent commission for the local location of victims' remains was established in 1999 that her name resurfaced in the headlines and the IRA named a number of people that had disappeared and said they were sorry to those families... That had been victimized for so long and left to suffer, but no information was given about anybody's body. So they just apologized. They were like, "Yeah, we're not we, tell we you where they are. like we absolutely like killed these people, um, but we're just not going to tell you where any bodies are." Why? What? Because I don't think they knew. So they were, I think they, they killed so many people. Yeah, it was indiscriminate. They were just dumping bodies yeah, and then not I knowing don't think actually they were where like, bodies were. Actually, and I think as well that. A lot of the people that were involved were still alive. So if they came forward and were yeah. like, here's where the bodies were, it was like, well, now I have to go to prison. Yeah. The PS and I then began investigating that. Um, and they searched a beach in Louth for Jean McConville's body and a number of people were arrested, but nobody was ever found. Now, the family have since come out to say that nobody was found for a reason. Okay. Um, that makes sense. In 2003, her body was found on the same beach. That they searched by a dog walker. Fuck. And when her body was found, she'd been shot in the back of the head once and buried in a shallow grave. This is fucking horrific. The ostracization even extended to the funeral mass for Jean McConville in November 2003. So when they finally got her body back yep. and they finally were like, she it, it, was murdered. Her. Yeah. After her remains were found on the beach that August, there was a big congregation at St. Paul's on the Falls Road, but the church was not full. Okay. Um, and there was a disappointing local attendance, as if people in the area were acting under particular instruction. Not Still being go. fed in the line that she was a tow and to stay away. So people were still like, she's an informant. She deserved what she got. Oh my god, she had ten fucking children and she ten, wasn't an informant. She literally thought she was an informant because a couple of people on the road fucking said she was. Because she had, had somebody no that was evidence dying of outside. any of this. No. Ivor Bell. Oh Ivor Bell was involved with the IRA during 1956 and 1962 campaign, but left over a decision to call off a ceasefire. He rejoined the Republican movement in 1970 and became the commander of the Kashmir Road based B Company of the Provisional IRA. During Jerry Adams' initial career in the Republican movement, he took much of his direction from Brendan Hughes and Bell. So, like, this guy has, like, a direct line to Jerry Adams and he's directly involved when Jerry Adams becomes, like, involved in the IRA. Yeah. Although I will say that Jerry Adams says to this day that he was not in the IRA. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Um, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're going to get shot. <laughs> 
The Republican movement, he took much of his direction from... Oh, yeah, sorry. At this time, Adams was Bell's, like, um, direct, like, lieutenant. Yeah. Um, and he was the second battalion of the Bettis... Belfast Brigade so he was like second in command Hughes was the commander of the decoy and Adams looked to Bell for political strategy and to use for the opinion uh, of the rank and file volunteers um, so essentially they're saying that Jerry Adams like would take direct uh, re- like direction from these two but also that Jerry Adams would then use them to like influence like political movements in 1972, Bell, now the Bell, now like he's head of the Belfast Brigade, along with Seamus Toomey and Martin McGuinness and Jerry Adams, were flown to London by the RAF for a secret ceasefire talk with the British government. Adams and Bells were skeptical about the pro- proposed ceasefire and did not trust the British government. The truce soon broke down, followed by 20 deaths over three days. Oh, wow. In February 1974, Bell was arrested on information provided by one of the disappeared informers, Eamon Malloy, and he was placed in a cage called Cage 11 at Long Kesh, which is like a uh, like stronghold of the RUC, along with Hughes and Adams. So all three of them were arrested uh, around the disappeared and around Jean McConville. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the cage in question was called the General's Cage because there was always senior Republican members held in there. Like an actual cage? Yeah. On the 15th of April 1974, Bell escaped said cage when he swapped places with a visitor and walked out of the prison. Fuck off! He was then recaptured two weeks later at a flat <laughs> in an affluent Malone Road area of South Belfast after Malloy had informed the security services of his whereabouts. He was questioned over time about the disappearance, but never charged and never admitted to the PSNI of his involvement. He was arrested for his involvement in some other stupid shit in, and was in prison until 1983. Once released, he became the IRA and Libyan relationship manager. Um, I also made that title up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On the fly. (laughs) But he was doing some awful shit in Libya and he had a, uh, uh, and they had a common enemy in the British. And that's why Muammar Gaddafi is mentioned in the Shergar story. Oh! Whoop the IRA. Whoop. Uh, he became the main contact and managed the flow of weapons from Libya to Northern Ireland. That's fucking crazy. Uh, in, to support the cause in 1984. Okay. Bell openly opposed Adams' proposal to increase spending on an election campaign. So remember when we went back to yes, Shergar's story? Yeah, yeah. Where it was like, we need more money, need more money for, for the election. Politics. Kill the horse! Yeah. <laughs> Get the gun! Shoot the horse! He's got the gun! Um... <laughs> So instead of the war against Britain, Bell was a hardlined militarist who opposed the use of funds by Sinn Féin and resented moves to end uh, absenteeism, I think is what it's called. So essentially he was like, we don't like, they can't be in the country. Yeah. We want all of our counties back and I don't want to be in politics. I want to continue to fight this war. Bell emerged as a head of a group which includes senior figures like Danny McCann in June 1985. Um, so he essentially like won like the oh, battle between him and like okay. Jerry Adams yeah. and him and Jerry Adams had like a falling out and this is a <gasps> common team for all of the people that appear in this Jim McConville story. Oh, okay. That they fell out with Jerry Adams. Right. And Bell sent the miss, he's dismissed from the IRA in 1985. 
Oh, so they got so rid of like, him. you're too crazy. Get out. Out. Um, so, Bell's also involved in the Boston Tapes archive. Okay. So, in 2013, when Dolores Price dies yeah. and her tape comes out, yeah. she mentions Ivor Bell. Oh. And then the subpoena goes forward to be like, well, we want all of these tapes because some of these people are still alive. And we can actually do something and you're about And ta- you're saying that these people were involved in this, like, murder of this woman. So... Did they get them? Um, he then is arrested for aiding and abetting the murderer of Jean McConville in 2013. And... He then gets put on trial. At this point, he's like in his late seventies, early eighties. He okay. says he has dementia, and he says that like he, like it doesn't really matter. He won't be able to help. He can't help anybody. Yeah. However, the transcripts of the tapes are not admitted as evidence, but they're put on file so anybody can hear them, including the jury. Oh fuck! Which so, is the first thing I would have done. Excuse me. Never put me in a jury. Bell on the tape said that the purported meeting with Adams and McClure that Adams said to a priest in St. Peter's Cathedral off the Falls Road that he'd been asked to get rid of McConville and get her out of the town, that she was a problem. But the priest refused. Adams and McClure effectively decided Jim McConville's fate at the same meeting on the Falls Road in 1972. And Bell is heard on one of two of the tapes saying that Jerry Adams' attitude to Jean McConville was that she was, in quotes, a tout and she should be shot. And furthermore, Adams and McClure wanted her disappeared because they said they couldn't take the heat from throwing her body on the street. Oh my God, Sarah. This woman has 10 children. She's 10 children. Her husband just died. Because she helped a guy who was dying outside her door. This is insane. The parish priest of St. Peter's at the time was the late Father Vincent McKinley, who does feature in the official records in respect of McConville's, but it's after the mother's abduction, not before. Okay. And he also was on these tapes. They all spoke on these tapes. On December 18, 1972, he's contacted by a representative from social services who are trying to deal with the children. So they're like, we're trying to get help for these kids. And the official reported this, that the priest knew the circumstances, but was very unsympathetic towards the family and their plight. So he didn't want to help the kids. Was that because he was afraid? Or was that because he believed she was genuine? He believed she was genuinely told, like... Oh, the priests are doing a great job, aren't they? And also... The, the, so, so the kids were like we, we accept that we need to go into a home and we accept that because at this point they're orphans their okay. dad's dead yeah. their mother just is dead just ten of them Jesus um, and they asked to stay together and they're like can we just stay together and they're all split up and it said that he that's like he was called to be like can you help keep them together and he was like no fuck that guy Later on January 12th, 1973, as social services still engage in this work, it's also reported that McKinley was of the opinion that the neighbours would support the removal of the children so that the neighbours were like, we don't want them here either. They're children! All this does not mean that the allegation was true, that McKinley was refused to assist, like, essentially to kill or get rid of her. Um, But it suspects that, like, the evidence is accurate, that, like, 
he didn't he really did give a shit. Yeah. Useless park. The judge ruled that the tapes were inadmissible, but said that everyone who reads about the tapes can form their own view, informed or otherwise, on the many issues raised. It goes without saying uh, what few of the McConville's hold. It was hard to listen to him, says Michael McConville of Adam's Evidence. I just think he's a devious man. Ivor Bell, Marion Price, and Dolores, Dolores Price. So Dolores Price has a sister called Marion Price. Okay. And in the book, she's mentioned as the killer. Marion? Yeah. So she's said to be the one that shot her in the head. And the book is put together that like this guy listened to all of the tapes. He got access to all of them. And he was like, there were a number of people, like none of these people spoke to each other, but they all told the same story. And then when he went to Northern Ireland, he was like this one, it led to this, like that she did it. Yeah. But Marion Price says that she didn't. She didn't. Okay. Is she still alive, Sarah Jane? Yeah. No, she is. Okay. Ivor Bell, Marion Price and Dolores Price, all close contacts of Jerry Adams. All name him on their tapes as the one that gave the order to have McConville killed. He says he had nothing to do with it and he was never a member of the IRA. And he said that the timing of the 2013 uh, arrest, because he was arrested, uh, was politically motivated. And fucking Mary Lou MacDonald came out and was like, it's politically motivated. No, it's not. He had this woman killed. He is literally, he was 100% the IRA. Yeah. Like 110%. The guy who wrote this book actually is really funny. He said... He was meeting, he met with Jerry Adams. Yeah. And he met with like everybody that's involved in the case. And he met with this like guy before and he was like, you're not going to get anything out of Jerry. And it was like a, a like Irish guy. Yeah. And the guy was like, I don't know. I've got my ways. I'm pretty like, you know. Yeah. And the guy was like, this guy has counterintelligence, like subversive training. You could be torturing him. You're not and getting And he us. won't tell him. Yeah. But went to him, good luck with your wee notebook. <laughs> so they all name him on the tapes the final outline of what happened fully that night will probably never be known but it is thought that Marion Price fired the gun that shot Jim McConville in the head (sighs) Dolores admitted on the tapes that she drove the car to the beach that Jean was in and as she was shot on the scene and buried on the scene she was still alive when she got to the beach but she never said who shot her who who killed her she never says who pulled the trigger she says she feels a massive amount of remorse for what happened but she said that it was a direct order to have her killed and that the response was specifically given from Jerry Adams to kill a woman with 10 children with 10 children a widowed woman with 10 children with mental health issues Mm -hmm. because she helped a person outside her door Mm -hmm. and they think that was one of their biggest issues yeah like and the fact that that woman was said on the tape that she felt remorse tells you how deep down they knew that that what was said being said about her was not true yeah absolutely they absolutely knew it wasn't true but like the IRA have never come out to this day to say that it's not true to say that they made a mistake they've come out and said that they're sorry um oh we're sorry are you but they've never said and the only thing they've said that they're sorry about they haven't said they're sorry about killing her they said that they're sorry about the fact that they didn't they let it go on for so long that she was disappeared. Like, is, do you think there's people out there that believe Jerry Adams wasn't in the IRA? No. 
I don't he, see how. Does he think that people believe he yeah, wasn't? Yeah, I think so. Jerry. Like? Now, Jerry. We need to have a talk. So they contact, the guy who wrote the book contacts Marion Price's solicitor when he's writing the book to say, like, I'm going to say that you're, uh, um, what's the word? Can't think of the word. When you are representing somebody, client, client, that your client is responsible for this woman's death, and then he never got a response. But then the Irish Times read a piece to be like, "This book says who the killer of Jim McConville is," and then her uh, sister released a statement to be like, "I vehemently deny this. I didn't do it." But like, if your own sister is saying it, but her own sister was like, she was there. Her own sister never said she did it, but she said she was there. But she was like, she was there, and her the McConville say. The woman without a balaclava was Marion Price. Price. Why didn't she wear a balaclava, I wonder? She didn't give a fuck. She thought she was like... But this is the thing. This was power. They were yeah. power mad. Like They were completely power hungry. Yeah. They dragged a woman, a middle-aged woman out of her house with 10 children and a dead husband. And told her six-year-old and that they And then put a gun against her 10-year-old's fucking head mm-hmm. and beat him with sticks while a grown man directed children. And these people don't think they're sociopaths or mm-hmm. psychopaths. Like... You're fighting for a cause, but you're murdering innocent people. Mm-hmm. And like the disappeared. And people, and people from your own your own country. Like, fucking hell. That is... It's just so funny that Jerry Adams is like, I was never in the IRA. I know. I would have just been like, if you're in the IRA, say what? And then yeah. he said what? I would have been like... <laughs> I have you on tape! Yeah. We know. We know, Jerry. We know. And the fact that... He's almost seen as like a, like, remember he was at an election, the last election and he was wearing a tracksuit and everyone was like, ha ha, Jerry Arms wearing a tracksuit. I'm like, we've turned this man into like, well, there is this weird stuff. There's like this whole conversation around it where it's like, there's two sides to Jerry Adams. And the side is that like, without Jerry Adams and the peace process in 1999, it actually wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. Exactly. And we wouldn't have relative peace in the north and then the other side of it is he caused most of it but then the other side of it is he is sociopathic in terms of like this like I wasn't in the IRA piece like him and Martin McGuinness now Martin McGuinness is dead but him and Martin McGuinness like there's a number of like disappeared members where the uh, order to kill them came from Martin McGuinness and not Jerry Adams um, and both of them are like we were do you think IRA. I also don't know if this is true but do you think that this I wasn't in the IRA and we want to help with the peace process thing was because the two of them decided they just wanted to be politicians I think yeah so I think in terms of what they say about Jerry Adams is that like in terms of like his political ability um, he definitely had it but also that like he very much enjoyed the power of, of it all absolutely um, and so I think they saw in terms of like the peace process the war had raged on for so many years. Like, we were like 20 odd years in yeah. the Troubles. Um, and longer if you count everything that happened before that. But, like, in full blown civil war, it was non stop. Like, those kids were so used to, like, so I was going to say, they were like, hit the deck when the shooting start. Like, yeah. Like, they were in a war zone. Um, so, 
they say that he was like really interested in power, but that he realized that like pol- like the next stance was like political, like that it like the war couldn't continue. Yeah, he was like, he was trying to also, find a way to continue doing what he did. But there's not- loads of points and loads of stories. So especially see that one where he was like, we can't like if you throw her body on the street, we can't take the heat. Yeah, because we need to like gain political power. Yeah, yeah. and so we can't. And it's the same with the like Ben Dunn story. Yeah, where they were like, well, we can't kill him. Because, because then this will damage what this will damage to do. Sinn Féin yeah 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 um, so we can't kill him so there was there was a there was a there was a at some point there was a there was a turn towards politics politics as opposed to war that was and then the, obviously he was like well I need to I want to be a politician and I want this power and this is coming to an end so I need to find another way yeah. to get this so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell people I wasn't in the IRA like sir and all of the Sir. people that are in the story, so like uh, Belle and um, the Prices, they're all like severely radicalized. Yeah. So they don't believe in the peace process. Of course they're fucking um, radicalized, yeah. And they don't believe in it at all. And they're like, peace is not what we want. We want their country back. Yeah. And we're not going to stop. And so like, they fall out with Jerry Adams. Yeah. So like, um, Marion and um, Dolores, they fall out, fall out with Jerry Adams during the peace process. Yeah. Um, Ivan or Ivor falls out with him a lot sooner than that um, and in fact he tries to out him out of the party and like did he think did he think that he could create a situation where he has people murdering other people based on a whim and that all of a sudden he could be like let's have peace yeah and those people would be like we have been severely radicalised mm-hmm. by you and this movement and you think you're going to get peace because you want to be a politician yeah Oh man, you know what? Like, there, this is levels. There's levels and there's, you know, layers to this entire story. But the bottom line is that woman did nothing wrong nothing. and she was taken to a beach and shot in the back of the fucking head. And they say that she was held in a house close by and beaten for a number of hours because they were like, you're an informant and we're going to beat out you. And then when they couldn't get it out of her, they were like, oh, she's had like training. She's not giving it up. Oh, and she was my like, God. she was like, cause I don't, I didn't do anything. No, I don't have, I'm not a fucking tout. Like, I don't know anything. I have like no relationship to anybody. And though, wherever no those cunts are that live on her road, yeah. you are, ta- you are part of the reason that woman was shot in the head in a fucking beach and left her, but like that poor woman, Sarah. Like, and all of her, her family are so like, that destroyed is by it fucking heartbreaking yeah and like four of her kids didn't have didn't like imagine being like in your house your mammy's been dragged dead. out with, by men with guns mm-hmm. and one of the the daughters Sherry she'd gone to get like fish and chips for everybody she said by the time she came back her mum was gone and her kids and never saw her mum again her brothers and sisters were like they've taken mum and we don't know why and then they walked around and then they went to the PSNI well it's not or you see at the time because PSNI didn't exist um and we're like, someone's taking our mum. And in the IRA, we're like, she's grand. Uh, we're the IRA and we're telling the truth now. Yeah. And if you hear a horse in the background, ignore that. Yeah. And Jean's fine. We don't have sugar. We don't have sugar. Who's sugar? It's yeah. Happens 10 years later. But like, it's just... It's like, as you hear these stories, and these stories are so frequent throughout this. And I just keep thinking like, imagine being in a house and some men come in with guns and drag your mother out of the fucking house. Mm-hmm. Beyond traumatised. Yeah. And then you have those cunts on the curtain twitchers on the fucking road telling people in the IRA that she's a tout. Uh-huh. Shut the fuck up. She's 10 kids. 10 kids. Like, oh man, that is, I want, are those, those, can you hear those tapes? It's hard to, it, no, not a lot of them. No, okay. But you can, there's a SoundCloud 
I just, SoundCloud will set up for them. I find it so funny. Listen, I'm terrified of the IRA. I don't want to piss off anybody in the IRA. I don't. I don't want to because I'm terrified of them. But I just find it so funny that he's like, I wasn't in the IRA. I still to this day, so oh I was in the IRA. Jerry. Jerry, we all know. <laughs> we know, Jared. Like, you were clearly in the fucking IRA. Like, just, it's fine. Just, just say you were in the IRA, like. Yeah. Because everybody in their man knows. That's desperately, desperately sad. I know who Jim McCarville was, but it's only kind of a peripheral kind of thing that I. But it's the same with it. all of those people in the disappeared group, and it's the same with all of those stories and that happened in, in in that time or in the troubles, like that fam, like the remember the people for peace and they won a Nobel Prize. Do you remember that? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's because she, so the lady that won the Nobel Prize for it was the sister of a girl who was walking home on a sunny day in Belfast with her four or five children and a getaway car for like something that happened in the IRA lost control and killed her and her four children. Um, and all of these people came together to be like, this is like, like Protestants and Catholics and were like, we don't want to live like this. Like they were walking home from the park. They were like, just in their it was like a beautiful sunny day. She was like, she'd four, she was like, like lost, like this entire family just wiped out in this Gone. one movement. All innocent. All just caught up in this like yeah. crossfire of troubles. And so this entire movement happened for like two years and people thought that was going to be like, and that was in the 80s and people were like, this is it. This is the moment. We're going to move forward. Yeah, it was. It was like 1985, 1986. We're going to move forward. But it took until 1998 before we got to the Good Friday Agreement. Um, and it's still like look at what's happening currently yeah, um, there, it never goes away no of course it doesn't um, this shit is in people's blood Sarah yeah. like it's in their fucking DNA that's it's when you have somebody radicalised it's passed down it's not gonna go away mm-hmm. and it's fucking horrible and sad and terrible and oh my god that poor woman and her poor family and her family um, little boys like little boys and little girls been fucking traumatised mm-hmm. oh man Anyway, it's the story shite. of Jean McConville. Very well done. Very detailed. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's desperately sad. And just stop fucking shooting people. Christ. Yeah. Stop killing each other for like... Stop uh, taking guns off the Libyans, yeah? Yeah. Stop the Libyan it. thing. I love the Libyan thing. Have you ever seen the IRA training videos that went to Libya? Yeah. It's crazy, isn't like, it? So you get, they're, they're literally on monkey bears. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like... Why is everything about our country a joke? But the divis flat have you ever seen the divis flats in no, the north? I've never seen oh my them. god, they're terrifying. Really? Yeah, they're terrifying. And they're still like a Republican stronghold, like so like all like some of the footage you ever see the footage of like the IRA standing on top of the flat mm-hmm. shooting? That's the divis flats. Oh, okay. Um The Cats in the Cradle. Oh yeah, cats in the cradle and, and the silver spoon. spoon. That cat that cats in the cradle was definitely set in the uh, divis flats. Um yeah, like the divas. But like, do you ever think that's not unusual about the story? Is do you remember the last story I told about a woman being murdered yes. in the north? Uh huh. That was the UVF. Yeah. So it's the same thing on both it's sides. The same thing on both sides. It's both sides. Except in that scene, she was like sleeping with somebody or something. This and this one was just some uh, asshole who lived next door. But to she her was who the decided... same thing. Her daughter was taken with her. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, and she was downstairs, and her mom's getting the shit. Yeah, and she went like... up to the. Door. Oh, everything is awful. What the fuck? Like so, a nation of traumatized human beings. Nation. I swear to God, like just rampant with PTSD. Mm-hmm. These poor, poor people. Like imagine, like I told you, the guy about the guy that I work with, who was like, he was like, we got up 
to go to school in the morning and what was normal for us was the smell of burning because they were burning out cars, they were burning out buses, they were burning down houses. He was like, we would walk to school and my entire town just smelled like burning. Mm. That was normal. He was like, we grew up in a war zone, which he did. Yeah. He was like, you know, you're on the bus and you're getting stopped and you're seven years old on a bus and there's men got no machine guns. Mm-hmm. And then you're meant to be normal mm-hmm. and be fine. So many people should be fucking ashamed of what they've done. And the damage they have done to people like, I... Fuck me, man. Just. Oh, her poor family. I hope her family. I hope her kids are doing well. Everything's terrible. Every week you say that. We're not doing this podcast anymore. It's bad for your mental health. It's not bad for my mental health. Happy Christmas. This is the last episode. I I think it's... I know this thing's going to sound lame. I think it's fucking very important that we know these things. Oh, yes. Like, really important that we know these things. Because a lot of people don't. And as as we get older, the generations that are coming up, this is less and less prevalent. You know? Like, they're not going to give a fuck about this. No, absolutely. They're too busy TikToking. TikToking. And Rick Rockin'. Whatever you're doing on this TikTok now. Rick Rockin'. What's Rick, Rick Rockin' on the TikTok. TM. Pat Pending. Pat Pending. Don't touch it. That's it's mine. Ours. Rick Rock is the old version, old person version of TikTok where we go on and we just go, oh, everything's shy. Did you know Sebastian Stan was in the Gilmore Girls? No. There you go. Did you see that picture of Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee? Oh yeah, I saw it yesterday actually. And Lily, Lily James, is her Who name? Is Lily James? Oh, she's in loads of shit movies. Uh, like shit movies. Those. Stuff we wouldn't watch. Ah, okay, fair enough. Well, good good luck to that. She was in Downton Abbey. I've never watched Downton Abbey. She was in the remake of Cinderella. I, f- I think Downton Abbey makes middle-aged women horny. Why? I just think it makes them horny. They seem think? very horny about Downton Abbey. I love when they clean for the queen. I, like, I just feel like there's probably one man in Downton Abbey that they're all like... You know. Yeah, probably. Getting the vegetables ready Smith's for it. Mike Smith's in it, right? Mike Smith's in it, yeah. yeah. I've never watched it. I've never seen a single episode of it. I don't care about those TV shows. I like my TV shows to be like, this is England. We're, we're at any minute someone's getting murdered. Yeah, murdered. And everybody's really depressed and they all live in flats. I uh, Lately, I don't like any of those shows. I can't get on board about anything super depressing. I like to watch things that are melting my brain. Yeah, I think that's important as well. Melting my brain. Yeah. I haven't watched. I, I haven't really watched any telly. I need to read and start watching happy things. I was watching Bob's Burgers and then I stopped, and then I was like watching really sad things. So I'm gonna get back now. I'm gonna stop reading uh, things that make me angry. Once I finish this other book, I'm reading, and then I'm done. And I'm done. Running down the gutter like a piece of bread and butter. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Um, I don't like me's. I don't. Do you know something that I hate? Come on. On a TV show. Mm-hmm. That has never been musical. Does musical episode? Fucking music. Why do you do it? Fucking pe- I can't deal with it. I don't it. watch any TV shows that do that. Oh my god. Name a show. Well, they do. Uh, Buffy did it. Yeah, don't watch that. Um, never did. There's loads of TV shows. We've that have talked done about it. this at length <laughs> on the Facebook. People were disgusted. <laughs> Sarah hates Buffy. About my Buffy. Well, uh, I mean, and and then Colin, a fucking people pleaser, came in and was like, "I just like saying I like Buffy." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I Bob's Burgers do it every week, and I don't care. I love it. They do a musical. They do music. They do an ep- They do sing a song every week. Like there's always a song at the end or something. Well, Bob's Burgers musical and they songs do are it so, good. so well that I'm like, yeah. this is hilarious, and I don't care. Yeah. But when people do musical episodes, I'm like, fuck off. Running down the gutter like, like a piece, piece of bread and butter. Diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. Bob's got diarrhea. <laughs> Linda's amazing. <laughs> I love Linda Belcher. I love Linda Belcher. She's fucking unreal. Yeah, that's a good show. But yeah, watch something happy and be nice and happy. I've been watching Turkey Rock as well. 
Thirty Rock's our show. It is our show. Thirty Rock's our like shut your brain off show. Yeah, that's what everybody should watch. Also, if you think Saturday Night Live... Also, it's deeply problematic, but you know what? I, what? I just... It's Thirty Rock. They've taken out all the deeply problematic they take out the deeply problem? I have the... I have it. I have them. I have some. I have you on tape. Yeah. I've got all them episodes in that yeah. laptop. Um, soft shoe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There is a whole episode I where it's soft shoe. There's a whole episode where... Uh, what's her name? Dresses up like a black man. Jenna Maroney. Jenna Maroney. Mm. And Tracy's a white woman. And Tracy's so funny as a white mm-hmm. woman. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um. Anyway, happy Christmas. Have a lovely week. Enjoy uh, your week. If you can, give money to India. If you can't, that's totally fine. Give money to fine. me. If, yeah, listen. If you can, give me an Emma Because I don't want to work anymore. Please, uh, I'm begging you. Yeah, we really don't want to work anymore. But like, to be fair, we probably don't deserve not to work. We absolutely don't deserve anything from you. So don't give us anything. Uh, uh, go, to jo- go to Joe's Chicken. Joe's Chicken! Joe's Chicken. Honest to God. Fucking beautiful. That burger today, I was like, this is a revelation. Sponsor us! In my mouth. Joe's Chicken sponsors. Anyway, goodbye! Bye, everybody. Be good. Wear a mask. Connie! Get vaccinated. Hey, Jekko. Yeah? Do you ever think to yourself there might be something else other than walking around the place doing gear? Other than doing gear? Doing gear all day and then maybe getting a woolly burger out of Chair's Deli. Oh, Chair's a woolly burger. Do you think someday we might ever get out of Ballyferma? Man, what are you talking about? I love Ballyar. I love it so much. I even wrote a poem about it. You did? Oh, we're laying on me, man. There's a place like which cannot be found. No matter where you look around. You can't live here unless you earn it. We go, you've got Ballyferme. So I crack it, Pete. Down by the LD. Drinking warm Dutch gold from a bang of leaky can. Lads in manky tracksuits queuing up for the scratch, and now we're pushing prams. Can't stand tearing your full of snobs. I know a better place is full of drunken yobs. We gonna rob them till we just can't rob them no more. From the ranch down to Lefonia, from the That's what I was trying to tell you. Down the flat of green, yeah, all walking around the place, going in, got ourselves a holy burger out of Jared's Deli, going in, robbing something for real cheap out of Home Savers, Bally Fairman. We love it.